0: I can't wait for you to meet today's guest, my friend, Karen Elpert. But before I introduce you, I want to let you know that in a couple of weeks, I'll be kicking off my first ever small business marketing bootcamp. A lot of you listening have limited resources, both people and budget, and wonder how you're going to make an impact and drive sales. My small business marketing bootcamp is going to help you get started and also help you to make it happen. Check out the link in the show notes for more or join the Dear Found Her Facebook community for a little taste of the info I'll be sharing as I go live there regularly with a short lesson and some Q&A. Now on to today's episode. Today's guest is a special one. Karen Elpert is the ridiculously hairy, self-depreciating writer of the blog Baby Sideburns. She has a half a million followers on social media where she entertains parents and even a few non-parents each and every day. But Karen Albert is someone who is near and dear to me and my life and my career. I met her in my last life as the founder of Bump Club and Beyond, but she has really become a good friend of mine. I met Karen at an event I hosted to help launch her first book, which, by the way, was self-published and went on to become a New York Times bestseller. We're going to talk about it in today's episode. As a longtime fan, when I first met her, I was a bit starstruck, and admitting that now seems a little bit silly, especially when we're such good friends. When Karen and I first met, I never could have imagined that our first event would lead to more events and then to coffees and to drinks and to a friendship between two moms who were making careers out of just that, being honest moms. On this episode of Dear Found Her, I talked to Karen Alpert about the process of writing her three books and so much more. It's important to note that Karen was influencing before being an influencer was even a thing. That's one of the amazing things about her. She shows up on social media the same way that she does in real life, and I can say that with certainty. She's honest, authentic. She doesn't tell you what you think you want to hear. She honestly tells you the truth, which is one of the many reasons why she is so special. This episode is so special because Karen and I have grown up in our careers and as moms alongside one another. But one thing has always stayed the same. Karen and I continue to show up and support each other consistently. Come on in and join me and my friend, Karen Alpert. Hi. hi. Hey, how are you? <laughs> it's so good to see you, even though you're down the street from me. Yeah. <laughs> and I haven't seen you in a while since you're about with COVID. Right, right. <laughs> so, Welcome back to reality. I, I, the first thing I wanted to start with was I found you from your first viral holiday blog post. And I, and I want you to kind of talk about that because a lot of, you know, a lot of people who maybe don't know who you are, don't know that post. And I will share that post this holiday season because I always do. It's amazing. It's evergreen, timeless. Um, you know, I found you from this random blog post that was posted on Facebook and I thought you were just so funny and that is how I started following you. And, you know, I want you to kind of take us through getting to that point where that post went viral. And then also from the point the post went viral into today, um, and just kind of give some background about who you are and how you have made a career out of essentially just being you
1: yeah, sure. I mean, I hadn't I didn't plan on this being my career. I was in advertising, and I was a copywriter, of course. <laughs> um, and And I was a little um disenchanted with the business, but that was okay. I just I kind of kept going because that was my job. And I had my daughter, and that was um, wonderful, and I did not want to go to work anymore. And about three months into going back to work, I said, that's enough, and I left. And we moved here um, to the Chicago area, where I was um just, being a mom and hanging out with other moms and taking Zoe to gymberry class and all that kind of stuff and i just started to think all the other moms had blogs everyone had a blog it was I, I remember hearing the number it was like millions and millions of mom blogs and i thought well this is ridiculous i'm a writer and i don't have a blog <laughs> i have to start one of these things and i got to be honest like i'm not even sure i'd ever even really read a blog like i'm not even sure i knew what it was exactly and I'm sure I'd read blogs that I'd stumbled across on Facebook, but I didn't realize they were blogs and I didn't know what I was doing. And I said, I'm just going to start one of these things. And I went to WordPress and I started a blog and I called it mommy hood unplugged. Not, not a very memorable name. I even have trouble remembering it myself. (laughs) And I started this blog and my first post was about this time that I took Zoe to the library and she pooped her brains out in the library. She was a baby and she had a diaper on of course, but I had forgotten my diaper bag in the car and I was sitting there going, what the heck do I do? I can't even take her out of the library. She is so, there's so much poop going on. But I eventually dragged her to the car and it was just this funny story about trying to change her diaper in the back of the car, in the trunk. And I thought, this is a great story to write about. So I wrote this blog post about this funny little story. It was probably, I'm gonna guess it was probably 500 words, not even that much. And I put it up and I told my friends about it and they started, started to follow it. And then I started a Facebook group because that's what people who did blogs did. And I'm not, I'm sure Instagram existed, but I didn't even know about it at
0: the time. So I started no, writing. No, Instagram did not exist then. Oh, it, it didn't even exist then? That's no, no, was, like, no, no. Instagram was came was, around like, like this, right. Instagram came around like 20, well, maybe like probably around then it came around, but it really like, I didn't even join Instagram until like 2011 or 2012, maybe, maybe even 2013. Right. Yeah. I don't even know when I joined Instagram.
1: It was, I was pretty late to the game, but I wrote this post. I put it up. My, I put it on my blog. People started to follow me. People started to follow the Facebook page and I had about 170 followers. And I felt like that is amazing. I was so excited to have like 170 people that were receiving emails every time I wrote a blog post. And I thought that was an amazingly huge audience. I'd never written for that many people before. And I felt great. And then I was writing probably about one story a month. So not even that much, but like I was having a good time. It was a creative outlet and I felt like people were reading my stuff and that was exciting. And then in, I guess, November of 2012, I think, um, I'm everything's a blur now. I, know. <laughs> like, like my it? I
0: mean, it goes by so fast and you're like, Oh my God, what happened? Right.
1: Right. 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 <laughs> I can't remember anything anymore. I think it was 2012 in November. I wrote a post called what not to effing Buy my kids this holiday. It was short. It was not even a long post. It was just a list of, I think, 10 things. And it was a letter to the grandparents saying please don't buy us this stuff this holiday it is so annoying things like live pets because they die and then you have to break it to your kid um legos because they hurt your feet and and the list just went on and on and I'm I'm butchering it now it was funnier than what I'm saying
0: but <laughs> no I'm gonna share it because it is it's a hilarious 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 post and I mean it's like I said what got me to you
1: thanks and th- and, and back then Facebook was really kind. And if you had a Facebook group, every single person in your group received a message that your that your post just went up. So I put the post up, and it ends up at this point, I was writing for Chicago Now, which is actually a part of the Chicago Tribune. It was like their bloggers group. And so my all of my stuff was on Chicago now at the point, at this point. Um, and my name was Baby Sideburns. It had changed from Mommyhood Unplugged to Baby Sideburns. And I put this post up. And there was another blogger, her her blog name was Moms Who Drink and Swear. And she shared my post. I didn't know any of this. I was sitting in Zoe's gymnastics class. I was watching her do gymnastics and like praying she didn't break her neck. And she was a toddler. (laughs) Like she was doing backflips off the balance beam, (laughs) I'm not. So I was sitting there watching it and I opened up the blog post and I saw the numbers and the numbers were like, they were crazy. They were like in the thousands. And I thought there was a computer glitch. I, genu- I like looked at it, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a computer glitch. And I kept watching the numbers and they were rising and rising and rising. And I, th- I still thought it was computer glitch until I went to the actual blog post and saw that there were hundreds of comments to go with that. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like, that wouldn't be a computer glitch. And that's when I realized that the post had gone viral.
0: So that was pretty exciting. (laughs) Well, I mean, the post went viral because like a lot that you do, it was true. And it was what every parent was thinking. And just a lot of people don't say. So, I mean, that's obviously why something does go viral, but that is why you are who you are. And so I guess the post goes viral and like what happens next and and then what? Well, the Facebook group, Um, jumped from 170 to I think
1: 20,000 by the end of either that week or the next week. So that was insane. (laughs) And I just, while I hadn't planned on doing any of this and I wasn't a very business oriented person, something in my gut said that the beast has started and you need to feed the beast. (laughs) So I started putting up Facebook posts multiple times a day, probably two to three times a day, which at the time was kind of unheard of. Like people weren't really doing that yet. There was no rule book. Nobody knew what to do. There was just, like no uh, algorithm, right? Like, was I mean, a, it yeah,
0: was, people saw your stuff.
1: Yes, people, everybody saw it. I would, Zoe would put underwear on her head, and I would put a funny picture of a up of it. Um, there was, you know, just crazy stuff going. On. You know, Barbie was hung upside down in the in the playroom. I'm like, that's a funny picture, and I would put it up, or or just funny lines about what was going on in my house, and like I just spoke from the heart. I didn't, I didn't filter anything. It was completely unfiltered. That's just the way I was in my writing and I was just putting this stuff up and the beast just started to grow and grow and grow. And that's why I had the 20,000 by the end of like week one or week two. And on top of that, Facebook's algorithm basically showed it to everyone. And then anyone who liked it, it showed it to all of their friends too. So it just grew really, really fast. And I think it was the end of, I think the next year was the year that I, I'm trying to think, no, I think that year, I asked, would people want, to, want a book by me? And I actually ran a Kickstarter project just to see if there was enough interest because like hell if I was going to write a book if there wasn't going to be people to buy it. So, because <laughs> I knew it was going to be a lot of work. So I ran a Kickstarter project to see if anybody wanted a book. And I earned, I asked for 10,000 in, I don't know if it was seven days or 14 days. I can't remember. And I ended up getting $20,000. So I was
0: like, all right,
1: there's enough interest for a book.
0: And I love, well, we're going to get into your books in a few minutes, but so, okay. So where are you now? Where, where is this now? I mean, here you were, you you had this viral post, then you decided to ask if people wanted a book. They clearly did. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about how you self-funded the book and how you were stuffing envelopes in your house, because it's one of my favorite stories ever about you. But like how, like then what, like, how did you start making money? How did this become a business? I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, look at people who are creating content and like back in the day when you started, it was like, you were a blogger. Now people are content creators and it's very different. I mean, I think, you know, you have this longevity, you, you said something just now that, that I think people need to know. And it was that you spoke from the heart. And I think now, you know, you look on Instagram, you look on Facebook and there's just a lot of people not speaking from the heart. And That is why you are who you are, because you have really showed up as yourself every single day. You've given people a glimpse into motherhood. You were very forthcoming about how hard it is to be a first time mom. And it's a business for you now. And so kind of when did that switch happen and how did it happen?
1: Yeah, I mean, everything that I feel like everything on baby sideburns was kind of done unintentionally at first you know, I think a lot of moms were cleaning up the the space behind their photos and making it look really clean. It wasn't that I intentionally showed the mess. I just didn't clean it up and didn't really think to. I wasn't, I was well, a writer. Care. I didn't care. I was a writer. I mean, I wasn't very visual. I wasn't creating a big, beautiful Instagram feed. I was showing the mess on Facebook just because that's what was going on in my life. But as I did that, um, what I realized was that People were saying, oh, I like that. Oh, I like that there are dishes in your sink. Oh, I like that you said the F word. <laughs> you know, and I, I like that your hamper is like overflowing or that your ki- all your just kids- like clothes- mine, right? Yes, or like- all the kids closer to the side of the hamper. Like people really enjoyed seeing that. So I made it a point never to clean my shots and I didn't even have to mess anything up. Like it was just naturally there. And it made it it made it creating tons of content very easy because whereas some people might have to take an hour to create their shot, my shot happens like with the click of a button, um, because I'm not going to fix anything in my house for the shot. So that was, so that was how the, that was kind of the unbusiness, but unbusinessy way that it became a success.
0: And so did you start reaching out to brands and saying, I want to partner with you in like? The- and did you have a plan for monetization or did brands start reaching out to you and saying like we love you and we want you to represent us like how did that start working
1: yeah I never reached out to anyone um and I hadn't planned on doing anything sponsored really I mean for in the beginning the books were what made me money and then and then brands started to reach out to me then I started working with one agency that was getting me a lot of brands and they said, can we represent you? And I was like, yeah, sure. (laughs) So it just, it seemed like we were getting along and it made sense. Um, Now they don't represent me anymore. There was just a parting
0: of the ways copacetically. So before (laughs) I talk, before we talk about your books, I want, I want to bring up something and that is just, and I said it, and I want to say it again, is that you have worked very hard, but you have also been yourself. And I think that's a common theme amongst people in the content creation space who are successful is that they are themselves and they don't try to be something they're not. And ultimately what usually happens is people come to you and want you to be representative of their brand or a part of what they're doing. And I don't want to, I don't want to put out like this conception that like, oh, like if you build it, they will come because that's not always what happens, but I want to emphasize the importance of just being you because that's what brands want. And that's what people want is truth and authenticity. And you really, I I want to make it very clear. I know Karen. I mean, I've known Karen for over 10 years um, and we are friends. We are, we are friends outside of the mom world business space. Um, and I just want to reiterate that like, the person that I'm talking to right now is the person that talks to you on Instagram is the person that talks to you on Facebook is the person whose posts you read. I mean, there is no Karen who goes out with her friends and Karen who is online, like you are you. And that is something that I think is a gift and is so amazing. Thank
1: you. Thanks. I mean, I I think that's really true. And I think that's true about, I'm going to guess most of, the very large influencers, the ones well, well, beyond me, like I look at Celeste Barber and I'm like, you know, she's like that in real life. You know, she's hilarious. I look at Mindy Kaling. That is who she is. I look at Courtney Cox. That is who she is. Um, Oprah Winfrey, you know, that is her real personality. And I, and whenever people, I get these emails once in a while, when I, before I started, I actually wrote somebody an email and asked, like, I want to start a blog. I have no idea how. I never got a response from her. So now on my email, I, I, would, I feel terrible like leaving things in my inbox. So I try to respond to everyone. Like, so if someone writes to me, how do I start a blog? I send them to WordPress, but what I say, my main thing is you have to write from the heart. And whether that's your, like the personality you carry on your sleeve every single day, or whether that's what I do, which is the kind of like the voice inside my head, um, but it all comes from a very honest, real place.
0: And it's I mean the same it's the same for like Instagram like I was watching an account the other day and it was like very clear that this person was like reading something like off the to the side mm-hmm. and I was like I don't want to hear, see hear your script like I turned it off you know I mean like you hop on in your pajamas and just talk and it's and and that is something that I tell clients over and over again just talk as if you were talking to your family or your friends or your colleagues because that's the real conversation that people want and that's what they wanna have.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, I think for, at least for what I'm doing, that's very true. I think there are blogs that are very curated and um, gorgeous and, and that's what their audience wants. So that's okay too. I mean, my feed has, has a whole range, um, everything from my blog that looks like a hot mess to, to my friend, Alana Wiles, who does um, Mommy Shorts, I mean, hers is always looks gorgeous, but that's what her life looks like. It's a gorgeous life. Um, You know, she lives in New York. There's so many amazing settings to take pictures in. Like, I don't have that. I live in like the boring suburbs (laughs) and my life looks a little messier.
0: But that's okay. It's okay to have a messy life. I think people appreciate that.
1: Yeah, but I think the the main, main message is that you have to stay true to yourself and true to your life and true to who you are. And when that shows up on your page, That, that is, that becomes your brand because that's who you are, your brand, you are your brand when you're in this line of work, you are your brand.
0: hundred percent. So let's talk about your books because, and that's actually um, how I met you. So I met Karen when she wrote her first book. I I don't know if it was you or if it was someone who was representing you reached out to me when I was um, running Bump Club and said, you know, I, I have this book we want to get the word out. Would you host an event? And I hosted an event for you. I actually have our very first picture that I'll, I'll put up with this, oh, no. <laughs> this podcast. Um, it was at Monica and Andy. And it yep. was the first time I met you in person. And I was such a huge fan. And, and you know, I was surprised when I met you that you were just the same as you were online, and but pleasantly surprised. And that's really what started our friendship. And um, from there, I know you came and did a couple of other events. And then we just kind of became friends. And then, you know we live in the suburbs and it, now it's great cuz i see you out and about but i want you to walk us through that first publishing of your book because it's a great story mm-hmm. and and i love how you did it and i love how you did it because you went out and asked people if they wanted it which i think is a really important business trait i think that it's important for people to ask their audience do you want this before you start investing time and money into something and then when they said, yes, you did it, you found a way to do it on your own, which led later to even more success with your books.
1: Thanks. Yeah. I mean, the, the backstory is that I wrote a really crappy novel the year before, like really bad. And I tried to, sh- to query agents and shop it around and it went, it just was rejection after rejection after rejection. And so when it came time to do a book for baby sideburns, I was so burnt out that I, w- I didn't even query agents. I was like, I'm just gonna do this on my own. So, and I'd read a whole, I'd read an article about somebody who'd written this huge bestseller. I don't even remember what book it was and had self-published it. And that's how it became this explosive phenomenon. So I was ready to do it on my own. So I asked my audience, do you guys want a book? And I did it, I asked them through the Kickstarter project. And and because I feel like if you say, do you want a book? Everyone's gonna say yes. and but if you say, "Will you give me ten dollars to write a book?" That's when you, you know, they put their money where their mouth. People are investing in you. Yes. So I gave them a couple options. It was like ten dollars gets you one book. Twenty, I think, eighteen or nineteen dollars gets you two books. Um, there were other prizes, prize awards, whatever you call it, on Kickstarter. Also, I ended up with twenty thousand dollars after a couple of weeks, and I was like, "Damn, I'm doing a book." At the time, I didn't know what the heck I was doing, and I actually promised the book to them. I want to say in like. June. Oh, this was 2013 because so it was I, the Kickstarter went up in April, and I said I was going to get the book out by June, which is just hysterical to me now.
0: <laughs> I don't know what. i you thinking? I, was, I don't know. <laughs> I was like high or
1: something. I don't know. And you really had at
0: this point, you hadn't written anything, right? I mean, or very little. No, I mean, I'd written that really crappy novel, but like- Like nothing for the book that you were about to publish. Well, the first book
1: was going to have stuff that I'd published on Facebook and my blog. So there was less material to write for the first book. Probably 50% material I'd already already written and 50% new material. So, but the fact that I thought I could fill half a book between April and June is just hysterical. So (laughs) I remember saying- what I've really done is, I not only am I honest with my blog, but I was very honest with this Kickstarter group. A, I like kissed their butts constantly because they, I, I worshipped the ground they walked on. Like these were not just the people that read my stuff; these were the people that gave me money to write more stuff, and I was so ridiculously thankful to them. Um, the other thing I did was I was extremely honest with them. And when I realized that my promise of having it done in June was, was a joke, <laughs> I wrote to them and said, whoops, I messed up. I'm so, so sorry. It's gonna take me longer than I thought. Can you please forgive me? And they were all like, of course, write the best book you can, take as long as you need. Which was super, super nice.
0: So you write the book mm-hmm. and you know you don't have this fancy publisher, Mm-mm. the books come to your house. What happens? Well, I did have a good publisher actually. I had CreateSpace, which at the time was
1: not a part of Amazon. Okay. And when I called CreateSpace to put the book together, have them help me put the book together, I happened, I, this is this is total luck. I called and the woman who answered the phone was a Babyside Burns fan. And so CreateSpace was super awesome to me and helped me organize the book really, really nicely. Um, make sure the cover looked great and they got it on pre-order on Amazon for, I mean, nobody got pre-order back in those days, hardly at all. And I got five days pre-order.
0: Well, and I think too, that not only was she a fan of yours, but I think that speaks volumes to probably how you spoke to her on the phone, how you treated her. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, and it's, you know, I think those are very important things to point out as well. Um, Cause you have told me this story before, just how they were so good to you. And people aren't just good to people out of the goodness of their hearts. Like it's a, it's a give take. Right. And you were obviously very, you know, good to them as well. And how you asked and acted and and whatnot. And you weren't some prima Donna and you understood that like they were helping you out. But so you get the books and they start showing up at your house Mm -hmm. and what happened, Mm -hmm. what happens then? Because I love the story of you. Right. Books. Well, all of a sudden
1: I realized with the book being available for pre-order on, to Amazon, I realized that Amazon was gonna send the books out and people were gonna get them the day that it was launched. But everyone who had ordered it through Kickstarter, which was I think probably 20,000 people or something. I don't know, no, no, I'm sorry, 900 people. I was way off. <laughs> oh, like 900 something people weren't going to get it until days later because I had to stuff all of those books into envelopes and send them off and I was I was devastated I'm like the people that backed this kickstarter project have got to get the books before it or at least at the same time as the people that were ordering it on Amazon I was so upset about this so my husband and I stayed up I think we pulled like two half all-nighters which at the time was not easy because we were also raising two toddler a toddler and a baby yes you had small kids (laughs) yes so I'm like really like I think Zoe was three and Holden was one I think something like that so we had our hands full but we I was like we have to get these books out ASAP so we sat there all night long printing out labels stuffing envelopes I personally wanted to put a not just my signature in each book, I wanted to put in an inscription. So, so I literally signed little notes to every single person individually in every book. It was insane. It was stupid. <laughs> but that's how thankful I was for these people that were giving me money.
0: And well, and that, and that, sorry, go ahead, because I no, no, want to no, go want, ahead. You go ahead. You no, know, I was going to say, and I, you know, you asked for money. And I think that's, That's a really big thing for a business owner and especially a new business owner. And even though you were asking for $10 for, you know, for your book, you, you had been publishing content for free that people had access to on the web. And now all of a sudden you're asking them for money. And so you feel the need to show up. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And it's the same for everything. I mean, like I feel that same way
1: with sponsors that I have now. I want my sponsored posts to be to do as well as my regular posts. I really, really try and do that because I'm like, okay, I had this stupid regular post that I wrote this morning that I made $0 for, but I have this client that's gonna give me thousands of dollars for, the, for me to advertise their product. I better work hard to make that post look good. So that is my job. Um, I, I'm not sure that all influencers act that way. So <laughs> like, I, I'm not willing to just hold up a product and be like, buy this. Like I have to make, I feel like every post has to cause some emotion in the audience, whether that's, you know, I need that. I want that. I'm, that makes me cry. That makes me happy. That makes me relieved. That makes me laugh. Like every sponsored post has to do that.
0: Well, you talk and you talk about the products to your point. You don't just hold them up and you use the products and mm-hmm. you wouldn't take a product. And I, I know you, I can say this. You wouldn't take a product that you wouldn't use yourself. Yeah. Oh yeah. I got sent a product once.
1: And it took a lot of work and I, and I sent back what I needed to send back to make this product work. And when it came back to me, it wasn't good. And I said, you know what? I said, I know that we we were planning on doing this together. I'm like, but I can't give a good review for this product. And I'm really sorry. I can't write about it. So, and I've done, and I, and I've now I'm better at being able to field which products are going to be good for me and which ones aren't. So I, but I really don't share stuff
0: that I don't. Think people should put their money towards, which is very admirable, especially as you've grown so massive. I mean, mm-hmm. you're huge now, and so I, I commend you for that. And I and I talk about staying true to yourself all the time, and you really are an example of someone who has. So um, I want to point that out. But I, I do want to go back to your books for a minute, okay? Because I heart my little a holes made it to the New York Times bestseller, mm-hmm. right? And it was on the top 100 of Amazon in the first week. So you have this book, you are all of a sudden a New York Times bestselling author, which I know to any writer in, and to any really person in the world is like, oh my God, that is like, you have made it. So what happened after that?
1: Yeah. I mean, you guys, this is a podcast, so you can't see, but I literally have goosebumps when you talk about it still. Um, I literally get like a little bit teary eyed. Like it, it was Beyond a dream come true, because I really didn't expect it to happen. The book came out. I could see it rising on Amazon. Like I think it hit number, I want to say like 13, 26. I don't remember. I don't remember. It was something, some way up their number. And I was like, oh my gosh, I was floored and it was hitting all these bestseller lists. And I just couldn't believe it. Um, I was pushing the book a lot on Facebook because I think Facebook was my only thing to push it on at the time. And I was pushing it, pushing it and like. Every post I put out were like, I tried to, again, I tried to make every post funny. Like, I would put the book, you know, lying on the couch with like a wet spot next to it and said, like, wear diapers because you're going to laugh so hard you pee when you read this book. Like, there was never a post that said, just buy my book. Like, I I did, I worked my butt off to have like tons of posts that were funny to put up about this book. And so the book hit, well, I didn't know the book hit the New York Times. I um, had started to get in, to get, started to get in. Started to get calls, right? As you can tell, I'm a good writer. <laughs> I um, had started to get calls from agents at this point and which was a- another dream come true. And I was talking to a few of them at the, and I was interviewing them and trying to figure out like, what do I do? Which one do I go with? In, and publishers also. And I had spoken to, there were two there were two different groups that were exciting to me that I was like getting along with. And one of them called me up in the morning and said, congratulations. And I said, on what? And they said, um, you don't know. And I said, no. And they said, you made the New York times. And I'm still, I'm like chills right now. I mean,
0: <laughs> which is amazing.
1: Yeah. I had, I mean, this was a book that I wasn't even sure I should write because I didn't
0: know if enough people would be interested in reading. it. I mean, this is a book that you put on Kickstarter. Let's go back to that. You yes. know, I mean, yes. this wasn't like you know, I, I know you later had books with Harper Collins and Houghton Mifflin, but like, I, you know, this was you. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: This and you to, did it. I mean, to the point that I have, I have that page from the New York Times, you know, cut out and framed in my office, like sitting on the floor right now because it's not hung on the wall. <laughs> but, um, but it's there, and and you see all the books around mine all have these big publishers, and then you see mine, and there's like no publisher.
0: So okay. it was amazing, and then- it was great. It's a testament to, to one, you, and two, what you can do when you decide you want to do something.
1: Yes. And to, to, I mean, I worked my tail to make that book come true. Like writing the book was, was, was a chore. It was not a chore. I mean, it was a fun chore, but it was a lot, a lot of work and publishing was a lot, a lot of work and promoting. It was a lot, a lot of work. And, um, it ended up working out, which was like, and then And then then it went on auction.
0: And then what was different with book number two, which is I want my epidural back, and book number three, which I love book number three, that's Mamas Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be A-Holes. And it was just like these short snippets that I loved on like parenting from your point of view, which I thought was awesome. And our kids are around the same age. So it just resonated so so much with me. But um what was different those two times?
1: Well, the first the first book, I hurt my little a-holes, it was funny. We were all going through the same things back then. Our toddlers were pooping their brains out. They were, you know, projectile vomiting on you in the middle of the night. They were doing all these, all of the same things and they were all really funny. And I was very open about the kids because I knew that what my kids were doing was exactly what my neighbor's kids were doing and so on. So it was a very funny, funny book. By the time I got to book number three, my kids were older and I was starting to see that all of the hard work I'd been putting in for, for 10 to 12 years. was paying off my kids were don't get me wrong they have plenty of imperfections there are still little devils in them all the time but I was starting to see that they were turning into nice human beings so whereas I feel like the first book was a lot of hilarious stuff that kind of made fun of kids the third book was kind of how how can we turn our children into amazing human beings that are going to be a gift to this world and and not take away from it So, but it's, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's still funny. And I still, in all three of my books, I really thought a lot about like, what can a mom read? Because I don't read a lot of books anymore. I don't have any time to read books anymore. So nothing is, no chapter is longer than like three or four pages. Most of the chapters are like one or two pages. And then there are pages that literally have like one, you know, sentence on it. That's just a funny sentence that you can read while you're
0: peeing. one of the things that you just said was, you know, you were talking about your latest book and how you really just wanted to help us raise our kids to be good human beings. And I want to point out that your kids are amazing human beings, which is a reflection of you. Um, I mean, the posts that you share, especially about Zoe going through middle school and just the person that she's becoming, it has been a pleasure to watch both of your kids grow up and just be themselves. And so I would love for you to kind of weigh in on what do you think you did to make that happen? Thanks. Well, I, do, I also want to make something clear. When they were little, it was
1: easier to post the bad stuff. It was, it was somewhat funny when they would throw a tantrum in the middle of the grocery store. 100% that stuff still happens. I mean, they're not throwing, they're not on the linoleum of the grocery store. They're not perfect. I know. Yeah. There's lots and lots of, there are still tantrums. There are still cries. There are still that kind of stuff. I don't share it anymore because they're older and it would embarrass them. And I just, I don't go there anymore. So while you are seeing reality, you are seeing um, on my blog these days, you are still seeing a somewhat slanted side of reality because you're mostly seeing good stuff.
0: I appreciate you saying that, but I also, I mean, your kids are their own people. You can tell they make good decisions. They are kind people, which I know is most important to you. And, um, and that is, that is a reflection of you. And yes, everyone has their bad days and their moments and your kids are allowed to, and you don't have to share that, but what you do share and what we do see is, I mean, your kids are amazing kids. They're, and you know, they're, they're kind. And I, I like, I want, I know that like, there's no secret sauce, but what is your secret sauce? I mean, what do you think it was that like, what do you think it's, it's been like help a parent out, you know, because I think a lot of people can probably take a lot of um, your two cents into their own parenting space.
1: Well, I mean, in our house kindness, like what you just said comes first, always, always, always like last night, Zoe was having an argument with somebody at school and that person sent her a text message and she was not gonna reply to it right away because she had lots of homework to do. And I actually said to her, put your homework down, go deal with that text, go deal with your friendship and you will do your homework tomorrow and it will be late Um, because I prioritized kindness over academics. Um, that's not to say academics isn't important, and Zoe was freaking out because she really wants to get her homework done, that's really important to her, but kindness always comes first in our house. Uh, that's the same with you know social media, it's, it's a big issue these days, and we talk a lot about what you share on social media and what you do not share, and one of, the thing, one of our rules is you have to think about everyone who might see that, that social media post that you put up and think about their
0: feelings. So, um, yeah, I mean, middle school is hard, right? Because it's like you, you make a living off of social media. I also Mm -hmm. rely heavily on social media. And so it's hard, right. To like walk the walk, you have to walk the walk and talk the talk. And not that you're not nice on social media, but you're on social media a lot. And so that's kind of probably been. A tough thing, right? To help translate to your kids if they want to be on a device or on social media. How do you talk to your kids about that? How do you teach that to them? How do you make it so that it's not a priority in their life like kindness? You know what I'm saying? Right.
1: Well, I mean, one thing is that Zoe is not on social media yet. Um, she we I made the mistake a couple of years ago of letting her open a TikTok account. And she did it for probably a year. And then I think what she, I mean, this is, this is more amazing. I like, I can't believe that she did this, but all of a sudden I went on our TikTok account one day to check it and it wasn't there. And I ran to her after school and I said, where did your TikTok account go? And she said, I just, she felt like she wasn't, she was feeling bad every time she logged onto TikTok is what she said. And she's like, so I closed it. I was floored. I couldn't believe that this, I think she was 11. I couldn't believe that she had the wherewithal to do that herself. But it was really great to me because I had actually just seen a movie called, a documentary called Screenagers 2 that our district had shown us. And it talked about how kids do just feel worse after they're, they go onto social media. They just feel they, they can't help from going on it, but then they feel worse. And Zoe had known, knew that that feeling was really bad and just took herself off. Once we were off TikTok, there was nothing else. There will be no Instagram for a while. There will probably not be Facebook because she's too young for
0: it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's
1: only for old people now, <laughs> but, um, but she's not doing social media. Does that exclude her from some things at school? Probably, probably. So it's, you, you do have to make decisions on what's going to work best for your
0: kid. You're such a good parent, Karen. I, I mean, I, And I know I tell you both on your social media accounts and when we're together, like I, I only hope my girls end up being as confident and carefree and kind as Zoe, because, um, it's, it it is, and I, and I want you to tell her too, it has truly been an honor to watch her grow up. Um, really, I I mean, you just posted something about her wearing her Halloween costume to school and her not caring what other people think and like. I just, that is like, that's Zoe. Like, she just doesn't care what people think about her. She does what she wants to do. And in today's world where people are on social media and kids come in like a 12 pack and they want to do everything that their friends are doing to see a kid that is so sure of themselves and confident and doing their own thing is just incredible,
1: really. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Lindsay. I appreciate that. I mean, like, but again, don't get me wrong. Like she has lots of rough moments because she's not the same as a lot of kids out there. So I don't, I don't want to say that the way I'm doing it is definitely the right way. Like it is a right way of many right ways.
0: It's your right way.
1: It's my right way. It's my right way, but there, but we've made mistakes along the way. Sometimes I wish she would conform a little bit more, (laughs) Um, but still be that self-confident kid that she is. But you know, you kind of like, you work as hard as you can, you get what you get in the end, and then you work with that. So that's, that's where we are. And she, so far, junior high hasn't been too terrible. But that could ha- around the corner, you never know what there is. Like last night was not a fun night in our house. So. Well,
0: I hope it stays even keeled for your sake.
1: Yeah, right. For your sake. I don't think it does for anyone. I think everyone has ups and downs. Of course. So you look, totally you look at people does. who everything seems to be going right.
0: I promise you it's not. A thousand percent. And that, again, I think is an important thing for you to say as someone who is so out there and on social media, I really appreciate you saying, you know, there is some filter to what is on my platform, especially as my kids are older and you're not seeing everything in my life isn't perfect either because no one's is. And I think you do a really good job talking about that um, as well. So I two things, two more things I kind of want to touch upon. One what's next for you? And I know you and I have talked about this a little bit. Um, and I, I know because my kids grew up and I kind of grew out of bump club and you know, I, what is next? Like what happens to baby cyburns? And one of the things I want to say, and I meant to say this earlier that I love is that like your profile picture is still Zoe as a baby. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's the same picture that you've used and, and it works and it's great. I, and, I think it's awesome, but what's next?
1: I never know what's next. <laughs> I don't know what I did yesterday, much less what I'm going to do tomorrow. I know, <laughs> but I don't know. I was, to be honest, I was going to be not, I I don't think I'll ever, well, I don't want to say never, but I don't think that the blog's ever going to be done per se. Maybe Maybe it will, I might be wrong, but I don't think so. I was planning on doing a lot less of it after this third book came out like a lot less and that hasn't happened um one I still really enjoy writing it so I'm kind of just enjoying it still two I've been just I've been getting a lot of business opportunities lately and it's hard to turn money away so so I so I've kept doing it I think I would love to get to a point where I'm doing it a lot less and I could write that middle grade fiction book that I really want to write um but I don't know like if it if it keeps bringing in money and I'm keeping and enjoying it like if that's that's kind of, what until
0: you don't enjoy stuff? it there's I mean people are enjoying you and people your community yeah. loves you Wait, and before, I love them I know you do and that I shows right
1: that yeah. shows
0: I want to be mindful of our time yeah. um, and I and I want to just kind of ask you one more thing and that would be two things actually I want you to tell yourself what would you tell yourself 10 years ago knowing what you know mm-hmm. now that's the first thing and then the second thing is, is what would you tell other female founders or entrepreneurs or people who are aspiring to start their own business, um, whether it's in content creation or not? I think you have a lot of really good nuggets of wisdom um, just about the whole business process to begin with. So I would love for you to kind of share those bits um, with our audience. I mean, what I would tell myself 10 years ago, it,
1: I don't know, parenting is so hard and and I I think I would have like given myself a pat on the back and said, you can do this, you're you're gonna do a good job. And just know that because 10 years ago, did I have the blog? I guess, yeah, I was, I was writing already. But I think the one thing I've learned from it is that every time I put something up and I feel like I'm the only person in the world that's experiencing something, I all of a sudden get, you know, 20, 100, thousands of comments from people saying they're going through exactly the same thing. Exactly. So just know that while you might feel completely solitary and very alone in this parenting world you are not um there there are thousands of people going through exactly the same thing you are right this very second and it just makes me it just make me feel a lot less alone um while i was parenting that's that for as for the business factor of people starting businesses or just just founding any kind of anything even if it's just a facebook page that's not meant to make money um what i would say is that if you want people to do something whether that's write a book whether that's like a comment whether that's to go to a link ask them in a very nice way ask for the things you want because when you ask people to do something they often do if they if they trust you if they appreciate you if they like what you're bringing into the world they will go do it i mean don't get me wrong. It's not. It's not like every single person you ask is going to do that. Go do that. But what I've realized is, like for example, if I know that I have a lot of sponsored content coming up, and I know that people are going to be annoyed that I have a lot of sponsored content coming up, what do I do? I tell them, "Hey guys, I'm really sorry. I have. I'm like, I have a lot of sponsored content coming up, and this is the way I put bread on the table. And I. The, this is the reason I'm able to write a lot of free, funny stuff for you guys is by doing this stuff too. So if you can please support." me and you can please, you know, click that like button, button, click that share button, Um, you know, be okay with the fact that I'm putting this stuff up. They usually are very, very kind. And they understand that I'm just another woman trying to make it in this world. And they support me. So that's I, I, that's, such that's good advice.
0: It, ask for what you want. That is such good advice. And that extends to even if to your point, you're not starting something or you're in the workplace and you're, you need something like ask for that raise, ask for that promotion, ask for those extra benefits, because if you don't ask, you shall not receive. Right. Right. And do it
1: and do it in the kindest way you possibly can say, please say, thank you. Be gracious. Um, you know, just, just advice from the heart. The same
0: thing as like everything else from the heart. Such good advice. Karen Albert. thank you so much for joining yes. me and for supporting me all of these years. And this podcast hasn't even dropped yet. And here you are, one of my first guests. And I'm so honored to have you here. For those of you listening, make sure you follow at Baby Sideburns on both Facebook and Instagram. And also check out all of Karen's books. They're all on Amazon. Um, she has three. It is, I heart my little ables. <laughs> there I was. I heart my little ables. I want my epidural back. And mamas don't let their babies grow up to be a-holes. So Karen, again, thank you. It is a pleasure. I am sure I will see you at the market sometime. Thanks, Lindsay. I'm excited about your podcast. (laughs) Thank you. Me too. Bye. Wouldn't you agree that I am so lucky to have someone like Karen Alpert in my corner? I hope that you loved listening to her story as much as I love sharing it. Make sure you follow her on social media, Baby Sideburns, for a daily dose of everything she has to share. We'll be linking it in the show notes. I want to thank Karen for always believing in me and for being one of my first guests here on Dear Founder. Having a friendship that transverses our personal and professional life is a rarity, and I consider myself incredibly lucky to have you, Karen, in every one of my corners. So thank you. Some key takeaways from today's episode. Number one, kindness comes first. Always, always, always. You have to think about everyone who might see that social media post that you're putting up and their feelings. This is for everyone in Karen's house, and I'm sharing this because it should be for everyone in your house too. Number two, when your community loves you and they love you back, that shows. And it impacts your business in a way that nothing else can. Number three. When you have a strong platform, use it for good. Don't be afraid to share what you believe in as well as take a stance on issues that are important to you. Share what you are doing if it's the right thing. And if you have a platform, share it. Share it, share it, share it. It's okay if you lose audience members when you talk about tough topics. It's worth it just being yourself. Number four, parenting is so hard. Just know that everyone is experiencing the same thing as you, even when you think they're not. Know that while you might feel alone in the parenting world, you're not. There are thousands of people going through exactly the same thing that you are going through. Number five, if you want people to do something, like a comment, go to a link, just ask them in a very nice way. Ask for the things that you want. If they trust and appreciate you, they will actually go and do it. Don't forget to ask. I cannot thank you enough for being here and for joining us on today's episode of Deer Founder. Make sure that you're following at Lindsay Pinchuck and at Dear Founder on Instagram. You can also go to LindsayPinchuck.com/slash freebie to download some of my tips, tools, and resources for starting a business and for managing the social media beast. Don't forget the Dear Found Her Facebook community is a place for more discussion to help propel your success. I go there li- I go live there regularly to share lessons and to answer your questions. Plus, that's where I'll be putting all of the information about my upcoming Small Business Marketing Bootcamp Workshop. We have some amazing guests coming up. So please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify or wherever you listen. Also, make sure you leave a rating and review. It always helps. If you know someone who wants to start their own business like Karen or who started a business or has an amazing idea for a business, text them this episode or post it on your Instagram. Tag me and I'll make sure to reshare some of those to say thank you. I'll be back next week with another episode of Dear Found Her.